Welcome to the Nexodus podcast. I am excited to go back into the word and to see how the Most High will lead and guide us through this particular portions of the ancestral documentation, aka the Bible. So uh, we, we left off at Genesis chapter 13, and I've been trying to push through this five chapters at a time, but this there's so much that I really felt led to spend time on that I think will will be transformative. So we're going to pick up from Genesis chapter 12 and then go into chapter 13 and down into 14 and stop at 15. And this is just a synopsis, obviously, but there are some key pointers that I think is important for us to understand as we are gearing up to grow in our spiritual understanding, grow in how the Most High operates in chapter one, the creation down to his covenant in relationship with the firstborn and with the other nations. And now we are going to focus in on the life situations that Lot and Abram experienced after leaving the Ur of Chaldees. Now, to give a little bit of a backdrop, the Ur of Chaldees um, and that whole Mesopotamia area was under the rulership of Nimrod. He had effect in that area. And we're going to see that that whole region was covered by him. Nimrod was a mighty warrior and he was encompassing all those areas. And Abram was a part of that elite group. He came from a family that were elitists that were a part of the council of Nimrod. And we, we get a little bit more of a, uh, a, a broader context reading Jasher and it helps gives a little bit of a, a different purview. And it talks about how Tira worshiped idols and how he was a part of the Nimrod army. And that would make sense because how would Abraham have the power to take 318 of his strongest men that he grew up in his house to to defeat the king of Shinar? So he was either Nimrod himself, which Jasher says, or it was a part of his general council because Shinar was Nimrod's space. Abraham knew how to throw some hands. He knew how to operate and had to come and save Lot. But we want to talk about that whole issue that they were experiencing internally there was tribal dissension going on and that is the key to um to being taken over or that is the way a person or a group of people can be um, destroyed and they they refer to it as divide and conquer and we're seeing this strife building up between abram and and lot who are family members who are both blessed because of the Most High, because they walked according to the council. But as they were coming out of Egypt, as they were coming out of a land that they were uh, no longer fit for, and they gained so much spoil, they had to figure out how to maneuver to build toward the land that the Most High had promised Abram. And that Abram, in the kindness of his heart and in the covenant that he had made within his family bloodlines, that he brought Lot along with him, which was his nephew, um, uh, which was Sarah's brother, Sarah, and then she was the daughter of Haran. So they named themselves by their lands. And it's quite interesting that the Sahara or Sarah and Haran desert is an area that was a fertile crescent at one point, which speaks to the Mesopotamia area there in that northern part, western part, eastern part of the garden, aka Africa, that is uh, now flooded with sand, but still has the mineral of oil, all those rich oil rich countries, because before 
time began to run through and change the physical environment of that area, it was a fertile crescent. So now we come upon that particular piece, and that's where I'm starting off in Genesis chapter 12. In verse 10, it says, and there was a famine in the land. Let me back up. Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. So he left Mesopotamia, which been said to be, which is in the Arab lands and in Iraq, Iran, modern day. But if you look at it from the biblical Afro lens, it would suggest that that Mesopotamia area, based on some of the names that are still printed. And once again, I talk about these fingerprints at the most high places that no one can maneuver or move. And that's like some of the, the, the names of Shem that you find, the, the, the bloodline of Shem in, in Genesis chapter 11, where it talks about Peleg and Eber and, and, and um, Elam, all these different names are still found throughout the western part of the garden, Tira or Tira, which is in Niger, Burkina Faso, all in that western region, the Sahel, that they call it now, where even Timbuktu was, where it was the, the center of learning. What was that route there before the Arab slave trade and the Arab, uh, the Sahara, Sarah, and Haran, or Sarah, that Haran slave trades began, and then they, they destroyed Timbuktu during all those different raids and such. But that information was a center. Timbuktu was a center in the West. Kemet or Egypt in the East where the pyramids are. You're seeing that we were always people of, of spirituality. That's why we built the pyramids, houses of prayers, temples, because we're always in connection to the Most High because that land is sacred and that the sun and all of creation comes to center itself there as it's in the center of the earth, as it's in every hemisphere, as it has the firstborn there in Ethiopia. In Hadar, Ethiopia, if you're going by some of the Western archaeologists, or as the scripture says, encompasses all of Ethiopia in Genesis chapter 2. So Abram leaves Mesopotamia and heads east toward Egypt. He understood Egypt was thriving, or it could have been called Kemet, or the land of Ham, or Japheth, depending on how you're looking at it. He's in Ham's land, so he's in his uncle's land. This is a this is all still happening on the continent. So he moves from the land of Shem, which is in the west, that western part, as I said earlier, and then travels east to the land of Ham or Egypt, which was Misraim or Kemet. That's where they were, and they were thriving dynasties. And you can see that throughout scripture. So as Abraham comes out, he gets called out, says, get out from among your land and go to the land I'm going to show you. And he starts heading south, says he goes south from Mesopotamia. And then he hits a famine in verse 12 of uh, verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn. That he went down. Why did he go down? He went down because the elevation. Remember, South Africa or the southern part is going up. So you'll read in some translation says he went up south. Well, he's going down because he was already heading south. He had already gone to Ai and Bethel and pitched his tent. And we found a location that is somewhat very similar and that it could possibly be, and we're getting more research done, that AI and that Bethel is in South Africa, where there's Eswatini, which could possibly be AI, and he have Bethel, which is Eswatini is to the east. And that he got at least there, pitched his tent, was there, experienced a famine, going back down north to Egypt. 
So the typography and the way things are are going to be something to get used to. It took me some time, but if you if you walk through it and begin to look at some of the words and how it's maneuvered here or there, you'll begin to understand it a whole lot more. So he went, um, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So he went there. He was maneuvering with the Egyptians, and the pre the, the 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 king or one of the leaders was wanting Sarah because Sarah was so fine, and Abram was afraid because remember he had run into a famine. He knows how the Egyptians are. He's interacted with them. He knows that they're close to Nimrod. They were in Shinar or Sinar, S-E-N-N-A-R, which is the land of two rivers, which would be the, the blue and white river. So we won't go into that. But Babylon was in the eastern part of the garden. Uh, Present-day Sudan, the Nubians, all in that area would be Nimrod, Eritrea. He says Shinar, Erich, that's in the King James. So Eritrea, Ethiopia, all in that area where Djibouti is, that energy that's in that area speaks of Nimrod. And some of the older maps have Babylon written down there. These are old European maps. So some of these locations have been transferred when you're dealing with uh, a lot of the different colonizations and things that were going on, whether it started with the Arab slave trade or the, the sub-Sahara slave trades that were happening amongst the Arabs and the Berber and Afros and all of that was going on. Then it grew into the transatlantic. So a lot of when things were moving, translations and occupation was coming in as well. It was it was a it was not only just a physical, but everything starts psychologically or spiritually. Then it moves into the physical. So to move back to where we were going, Abram, the Most High comes in and begins to plague Egypt. The first plagues of Egypt started. When they crossed Abram, because the most I said in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you land, the land of the Canaanites, which was the last son of Ham in the eastern part of the region. Put Mizraim eastern part of the garden. So that land area, that's what he was going to seek because the most I said so. So you see him going down south. He knew not to go far east because that was Egypt's land. And most I said, no, you go down south. Keep keep going down this way. Then he had a famine, so he's like, oh, I got to go back to Egypt, regroup, get my people together. And the Most High was blessing him there. He said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. When they took Sarah, when he lied, even though in his sin, even though in his weakness, even though in his brokenness, he was trying to protect. He was trying to, he out of fear, told a lie. The Most High still covered, still protected him because of covenant that he made with him. He knew he wasn't doing it out of anything malicious, but he knew how the Egyptians were. He understood how those people are. So you see the wars that were going on isn't always with other races. It happens within family camps. You see it even as I started doing research in the European uh, spaces. There was a lot of wars and uh, conquering that was going on, whether you go with the Prussia and the Ottoman empires versus the British and so forth. There was all that going on. And the same thing happened in the garden. So what you're seeing right now whether it be in the Middle East with the Palestine or Palestinians and the Israelis or whatever you see, um, or the um, Zionist or however, however you cut that up. And then you have down in, in Eastern, which we don't hear too much about, you had the Ethiopian war that was fighting there in Tigray with um, the Eritreans. Um, that, that, that wars continue to go on 
and then you had the Sudanese war. So you have all these different Sudan fighting amongst themselves, Ukraine, Russia fighting amongst themselves. So there's always been internal battles that's been going on. And there was a lot of internal warfare going on on the continent itself. So this isn't outside of the continent. Um, although some viewpoints would say otherwise, but this is the context that I'm coming from and exploring even more. And it's becoming more clear for me that that's where these locations were placed uh, with regards to what was happening in Abram's life at that time. So Abraham is dwelling in Egypt because of the famine that he experienced. But even in the midst of transition towards the fullness of what the Most High had, he was going ahead of him and setting things up and protecting him. So when Sarah was in a position that could have compromised their bloodline, was going to was going to compromise their ability to procreate and move forward with the promise that the Most High had given him, he sent plagues to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had the spiritual sensitivities because of that time period. They were very very sensitive to uh, the spiritual environment, as you can see a lot of the um, the coffin text, the Book of the Dead. Um, the pyramids, the tombs, the pharaohs were like God, Amen, Ra. They worshiped the sun and very spiritually centered. Um, that's where you get a lot of the different um, Phoenician, Anunnaki, all these different types of energies have passed and, and, and beings have passed through that eastern part of the garden because uh, it's the land of Nimrod was the greatest civilization of that time period was in those um, uh, dynasties. So the Pharaoh in in Genesis chapter 17, it says, and the Most High plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you have done to me? Why is it that you did not tell me she was your wife? And you said it was my sister so that I might have taken her to be my wife. Now, therefore, behold, thy wife, thy wife, take her and go that way so they allowed them they said hey you guys get out of here because you guys are way too much and you're going to bring too much issues so then in genesis chapter 13 abram had to gather all of his things his people belongings all of his wealth he had to take it and had to leave and now it says in genesis chapter 13 verse 1 and abram went out of egypt he his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south that is so key to reminding you that this story is not leaving the continent. We went from Egypt and then we're going further south into the continent or up south. And in verse two, it says Abram was rich in cattle and silver and gold. Well, it would make sense because the continent has so many resources. So that would confirm how he was able to amass so much wealth. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where he had his tent being from the beginning between Bethel and Ai. So once again, that Bethel portion there in South Africa, going down south, he got there and then he went up to, to Egypt, ran into some issues. The Most High went in front of him. Now they went further south. And he came back to the position. So Genesis 13, 3 reconfirms where he was and then he placed an altar there. And there he made his, uh, his connection to the Most High. And then in verse 4 says, and then he placed an altar there and there he made he called upon the most high he had his first sacrifice that he was given to the most high he was making that connection that you have brought me back to this place i'm back on the journey and sometimes you have diversions sometimes things happen that may throw you off your course 
as you're trying to follow the ways of the Most High. But the Most High will continue to guide if your heart is right. If you're following after him, he will go past your brokenness, go past your frailty, past your insecurities, past your uh, your failures, and help you get aligned to his overall divine plan. And that's the grace of the Father, especially when he has a covenant with you. So that's why we operate in covenant and not by faith. Having faith in the Most High is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's having covenant with him through bloodline, through promise and being connected. And then you'll begin to see the Most High reveal himself more and more to you at a different level than just a religious um, confession. It goes beyond the religious confession. So in verse uh, 13 or chapter 13 into verse six, it says, and the land was not able to bear them. Bear who? Bear Abram, Sarai and Lot, their family. They had come out of Egypt with so much spoil, so much abundance. They had the gold, the silver. They had the servants. They had um, cattle. They had flocks, herds, tents. They were moving as a as a. As a group, they didn't settle in places. You know, back in that time, there wasn't like, oh, I'm going to give me some apartments and stay here for 20 years. No, they were constantly in a move and they they were more of uh, what they call today customary lands. They were caretakers of the land. So they would have a certain region. They would have their flocks there, their tents, their people, and they would dwell in that area for generations. And people know that that's their land, but no one was claiming the land like we do. Um, today, where you have a deeds and rights and da da da, no, no, this is the area. This is the portions of land that's been allotted to you, just like the Most High has done for all of creation. The bees know where they have their lands. Lions, they mark their territory. Everyone has their peace, and everyone can live simultaneously and in in harmony, symbiotically. That's what I loved when we were at the Nile, and we would see all the different species. And the tour guide would tell us, and all these animals never cross each other, really. They all have their own ways of doing things, and everyone allows everyone to be. And that is the beauty, because they have not been given the power of will to go beyond, and they haven't been given dominion. And there's a big difference between uh, conquest or conquering versus having dominion. Dominion is more of a responsibility, a caretaking, and conquer is I've taken I have extracted, I have stolen. And that type of energy produces a certain type of response and replication um, that moves toward destruction. And we're going to learn more about that as we go into these two family members, Lot and, and Abram. So as you're moving and you're journeying, there's going to be family members or people close to you who are going to, if you are if you don't have the eye of discernment, they can be a hindrance toward your fulfillment or the fullness because they have their eyes or their intention on something else. As I always say, the AI, what is your attention and intention? Because you put your attention on things based on what your intention is. And if you're not discerning, if the Most High doesn't give you the insight to know the intention of others, that person can be saying one thing, but devising or believing or moving or maneuvering in another way and that's what we're seeing happen here and we're going to see some context clues on lot i'm going to spend some time on lot because lot is a very interesting character with this whole storyline because he gives some outliers to 
um, the type of person who's, like I said, attention and intention was veered or was contaminated based on the environment he was in or some of the desires that he had. So he had spent time in Egypt and I'm sure when they're in Egypt, he's picking up the ways of the Egyptians and picking up the customs of those people. Although the most High told them to separate themselves and be different, be in, but not of. And Abram understood that from the beginning. So you have here in uh, verse six, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for the substance was great so that they did not dwell together. They were, it was just too much. And now there became what strife between herdsmen of Abram and his cattle and the herdsmen of Lot and their cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. So that's a key phrase there that the Most High was given to let you know that, hey, if you guys begin to fight, you're going to make yourself vulnerable to your enemy or to those around you who don't have your best interest in mind. Don't air your dirty laundry. Keep it in the house. And, and Abram understood that this strife that was happening between him and Lot. First of all, he didn't want strife between him and in the family because that would be a key doorway through which the enemy can come in mentally and spiritually and physically to destroy what the Most High was trying to do. So he said, you know what, Lot, he said in verse eight, let there not be strife. So he went straight to the root. He didn't deal with, well, you have more than me or why don't why are they over there? Why don't they do it? He dealt with the energy behind it. Strife. Let's not strife. Let's not fight. Let's not um, continue to contend. I don't want that between us because we are brethren. And I love that for we are brethren. We family. We got this bread together. We got this money. We got this cattle. We got this these riches from the most high. And it, we shouldn't be striving over it because it's a blessing and you're my family. So this is what we're going to do. You get the, you got all this land before you. Let's separate ourselves. You have a lot. I have a lot. You go your way. And this was an important part and maybe a very difficult part for Abram because Abram was looking for an heir. He was longing to have a child, longing to be able to pass all this down to someone. But Sarah was barren at the time. And we can speculate as to why she was barren. But when you're dealing with some of the spiritual principles and some of the things that were happening at that time, it was affecting the, the birth rate in a way. It was affecting um, com the capacity to conceive um, because of some of the things that were happening at that time. Did that personally affect Sarai? Scripture doesn't talk about that. But the essence of what I'm saying is Abraham was in a vulnerable position with the choice to continue to allow this strifing to to grow, which would then get the attention of the uh, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But he was like, nope, we're not striving. We're brothers. We're family. The whole land is there. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. And then in verse 10, it says, and then Lot lifted up his eyes. So remember, everything is in the eye gate. Everything is in the vision, perception. And he said, it said, he lifted up his eyes and behold, he saw the plains of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Most High destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even the garden of the Most High, even as the garden. He's saying that this place was very similar to the garden, the first garden, like the land of Egypt, which he had just come from, as, as though cometh from Zoar, so that the appearance was looking like it was plush and it was hot. It was the place to be. It was popping. It was lit. It was great. That's what 
uh, Lot began to see. And that was the deception. Because everything that glitters is not gold and it looks good on the outside. But he wasn't, he didn't have the discerning eye to the surrounding areas and the surrounding people and how that was going to infect and impact himself all the way into his generations, into his children, where his daughters um, were not able to perceive certain things based on some of these particular decisions that he was making. But that was a passed down thought process that ate, that Lot picked up from whom? His father, Haran. Remember I told you that Sarah and Haran, Saharan, Sarah and Haran. Haran died in his own land, North western part of the garden aka africa that's where haran died and jasher talks about how um he lied or was framed in a way with the whole nimrod situation when nimrod was trying to destroy the promised child which was abram and tira ended up lying and had someone else killed and then haran was wanting to be the one and there was just so much stuff going on and he ended up dying in that land and then they moved on from there because they were like hey man they killed haran they're gonna kill us next so the most i say you better get out from among them because you're destroying their idols you're, you're exposing them you're growing they're only going to bring more death to you so abraham was like yo i gotta get out of here and left with tira but tira ended up going back anyway um and abraham had to now make a final decision and go so sometimes you don't want to leave without your family so you'll cling to them because it's something that you want whether it's a son Abraham wanted a son. He wanted to stay with his family because they had lost so much. Whatever the reasons are, but more and more, he kept saying that, wow, I have to create a new nation. And some of my new nation is not going to involve my bloodline. And sometimes the Most High does it that way, where your family is not always always relatives. There can be a, a, a distinct difference. It's about the heart and the intention and attention and the actions that a person has that you want to pay attention to that will help you realize whether they're for you or not. So in Genesis uh, chapter 10, it says, and Lot lifted his eyes, saw the plains. He's like, I'm going there. And he separated himself and went that way. And Abram in verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. In the city, he went in the cities where Abram stayed close to the land of Canaan. Because why? That was what the Most High said. And Lot knew that. But Lot said, hey, I'm going over here because it's looking better over here. It looks like Egypt. It looks like Beverly Hill. It looked like, it looked like and he went that way. He didn't want to deal with the land and have to deal with a bunch of like tilling of the land and having to build on his own like Abram was going to have to do and start from scratch. He wanted to get a, a head start. And usually when you try to get a head start and cut corners, then you have to submit yourself to other people in other ways because they've already built it. But if you, as a person of destiny, a person who has the ability to create have to start from scratch and that's not the easiest task that's why a lot of people like to cut the corners but the most high is challenging us are you willing to start from scratch and watch me make a roadway in the wilderness so you see that happening where lot chose his way and in verse um 11 it says then lot chose the plains of the jordan and lot journeyed east and then separated himself one from another and Abram dwelled, verse 12, in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. This is Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners from uh, before the Most High exceedingly. They were doing things that were contrary. So what was that doing when he pitched his tent towards there? When you're in that type of environment, if you're being um, conditioned by the, the lifestyle and the ways of a certain group of people or 
a culture or a society, what happens? It begins to contaminate or skew your viewpoints and the way you see things. Like it says in Second Peter chapter uh, two, chapter two, verse four. I'm going to start and it's giving you a recap of earlier into Genesis all the way down from Genesis, Noah, all the way into Abram. And this is what it says in second Peter chapter two, verse four, for if the most high spared, not the angels that sinned, but cast them down into hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared, not the old world, but saved Noah, but saved only Noah. The eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world for the ungodly. So anytime the ungodly, the earth is going to respond. Just like you see here in Genesis chapter 13, where it says that the, the men were of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. It began to stir up once again the earth. In Second Peter chapter 2, we, we read about what happened in Genesis with Noah that the, the earth was flooded because of unrighteousness. So the earth is what? Going through climate change right now because of unrighteousness. Things that are going contrary to the earth, things that are dark, things that are negative, things that are not conducive to the environment, that is not eco-friendly. That's gonna cause the earth to be on a redemptive pathway to heal itself because the most High made it that way. So that's what causes the judgment or the rejection and causes it to um, repel us who are on the earth and, and those who are going against the ways of the most high how he created things that same war continuing to happen so second peter 2 6 says and turning the cities of sodom and gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly so he's saying he those cities were ungodly and the most high was going to overthrow them and you'll see in genesis chapter 14 the the most high was going to overthrow sodom and gomorrah based on the wickedness they were doing so the things that we continue to do is setting us up toward blessing or curses or ramifications sowing and reaping karma whatever term works best it is going to have an effect cause and effect so the turning of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and written in verse um, seven, it says, and delivered just Lot. So Lot was still righteous. Lot was living in an environment that was infecting him, but he was still able to have unrighteousness to him because he was part of the seed line, first of all, of Abram. So the most highest promise was for him and his family. And he was able to discern the, the angels that we'll, we'll read about later on when the angels were coming to do the judgments when they first came to Abram to let him know what the Most High was about to do because of what Sodom and Gomorrah was representing at the time and how the judgments were coming there. So the Most High will always speak to his servants first and that we can intercede. So that's an intercession. We'll talk about that in our next podcast because it's just so much. But I want to close this part right here on this note with Lot because Lot was righteous, but it says his Lot being just was vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So what is that saying? N bad company corrupts good morals. He was amongst them. Although he was a righteous man, it began to vex him from what he saw and what he heard through the ear and the eye gate from what you're watching and what you're listening to. 
So it's so important, right? Even right now, I'm going through a cleanse um, of social media and it has cleansed my palate quite a bit in my spirit, in my mind, my consciousness, because I'm not getting all the different ideas and thoughts and just randomness and all kinds of intentions and attention that people are trying to get you to buy this and cook this and like this. All that is not um, healthy for the mind and it begins to vex you. And that's what was happening to Lot when he was pitching his tent toward those lands and, and following the ways contrary to the way the Most High had um, birthed and built him. So we'll, we'll continue to see the story and the development of Lot from his father to Lot and then down to his children. And then it says in verse 14, And the Most High said unto Abram, after Lot was separated from him, so the Most High was now able to speak to Abram at a higher level, at a higher um, frequency, a higher vibration, at a different phase in his life when he was able to now get into alignment. He was in the land of Canaan, so he was according to the promise, and then he separated himself from the individuals who was not supposed to go with him, at least in that same trajectory or in that same context. And then it says in verse 14, key words, and the Most High said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes and look to the place where thou is, art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For the land, for all the land which thou seest, I will give to thee and to thy seed forever. So the people who are a part of the garden, it is your seed, your inheritance forever. That land, if you're from the seed of Abram, the Most High has chosen each person in different ways and in different um, times to do different things. Just like you see in all of creation, everything has its place and the way it's supposed to operate. But he was speaking to the firstborn from the seed of Abram. He said that these lands all throughout the garden, this land belongs to you and your seed forever. And that's why it's so important for us to get back into alignment to the ways of the Most High, to his covenants, to his 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 precepts and his laws, honoring the Sabbath, walking in his counsel, honoring the feast days in Leviticus 23, wherever you find yourself in captivity, begin to seek and ask the Most High, is this the way that I'm supposed to go? And you'll see how beautiful the feasts are. I've been doing the feast now for the past couple of years and every year the Most High shows more and more of how awesome it is and how you align yourself back to nature, align yourself back into his will and his way. And it's such a beautiful expression. It says here, all of that for all the land, verse 15, for all the land thou which thou seest to thee, and I will give it to thee in thy seed and I will make thy seed like the dust of the earth so that if any man could number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be also numbered. That's verse 16. Then verse 17, arise, walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, I will give it to you. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Most High. And I've been to Mamre and it is a beautiful place. And it was so touching to know that I went to Canaan and the Canaan for me um, was in California off of Canaan Road. And that was just a symbol of what a prophetic of what he was going to do in this part of my life, in this phase of my life, just like he did with Abraham. You go through phases, you learn it. The revelation becomes more and more clear as you walk in obedience. And then it says he came in the plains of Mamre and you find that in the Western Cape in South Africa. And it's so awesome that the fingerprint is there that you see Mamre. And then there's a plaque there from a, a missionary saying that this is the land that we've called Mamre because it does A, B, C, and D. But 
why would of all the places of Mamre would they connect Mamre to that particular place? And that gave me some of the insight to see like, hey, this thing might be more than what we think and we need to continue to move forward. So that's where we're going to stop for now. We'll pick up 14, 15, hopefully 16 in our next podcast. Thank you.